1: Balance is like a term that's very loosely thrown around, but it looks different for everybody and it looks different for us from week to week. So it's important that we identify what's working and where we want to be first.
0: You're listening to Make some Noise Podcast, episode number five twenty with guest Amanda Walker. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for pushing play and joining me today. Whether you are out and about, working out, driving, taking a shower, getting ready, whatever it is, I am just glad that I get to spend some time with you. And I have an announcement I'm doing a giveaway. I love giveaways, I love giving you guys stuff. And I'm excited because, I, well, let me give you a tiny bit of backstory. Many, many years ago, in a land far away, <laughs> which is actually kind of true. But I, you guys know my life fell apart. I was a mess. It was 2006, 2000, early, early 2007. I decided to just plunge into personal development. I was like, I got to change my life. And I don't know how else to start except with this amazing paper catalog that I would get in the mail from a company called Sounds True. And they don't make the, the actual catalog anymore. It's all online, of course. But back then, you could buy CD sets. You could you could download MP3s. This was even before the smartphone, and and we had you know ways to listen to podcasts that are really easy. But I bought a few books from them. I bought some audios and had them on my iPod when I would go for a run. And Sounds True was pivotal in changing my life and helping me really gain so much self-awareness and all that good stuff that we're all here to do. So fast forward during the pandemic, I get an email from someone at Sounds True and they wanted to do a project with me. And I just was like, well, if this isn't the best full circle moment that ever existed in my life, I don't know what is. So to make a long story short, we went through some negotiations with my literary agent and I have, with Sounds True, created a six hour workshop in a box called getting damn good at life. How great is that title? Right. And it's, it's really so much more than an audiobook. It's not an audiobook. There's not an accompanying, an accompanying. That's such a hard word for me. A, a book to go with it because it's an actual workshop. And I'm excited because it's all about the inner critic, which I've never written a book just about the inner critic. And it goes over so many different exercises. It's all that I have. All that I have on The Inner Critic, I talk about self-abandonment, I talk about shame, I talk about codependency. There's just so many exercises. I lost count after probably 10 of how many different tools and strategies I give in this workshop. So it is definitely workable. So you're going to want to have a you know, their paper workbook or something on your computer. It it's really. I mean, you can listen to it just leisurely, passively in your car, but it, it really was meant to work through. So the links are in the show notes, and also I'm giving away three of them. They are the CDs, though, so you do have to either have access to a CD player or something where you can play the CD and then like put it on your computer or something, I guess you can do that and make it into a, an audio file to have on your phone. I'm gonna give away three copies of it. So head on over to my Instagram. I'm at hey Andrea Owen over on Instagram and you'll see the giveaway over there. By the way, this is I'm recording this in April of 2023. So if you're listening to this far into the future, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's over at that point. But I, I'm just excited for you guys to work it. You know, I, I don't have any online programs for you to do. So this is it. And I hope you love it. I've put my heart and soul into it. I'm so incredibly grateful for Sounds Shoot. They are an amazing company. Amazing company. They have have so much good stuff. So check that out. The link is in the show description. And if you go over to andreaowen.com slash books, it is over there. All right. I'm going to tell you about today's guest. Amanda Walker is here. She's so fantastic. I was on her show and I immediately said, you need to be on my show because I love her energy. I love what she talks about. And we are talking today about life balance, work-life balance. Yeah, you know that. We're talking a lot about motivational strategy, mindset to get what you want. And uh, let's let's get to it because it's great, and Amanda is fantastic. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Amanda Walker is a certified master performance coach who helps service-based entrepreneurs reach their full potential. Amanda is a true coach's coach and is passionate about helping coaches and online service-based business owners get their clients massive results in order to grow a profitable coaching practice. She's the host of the Best Damn Coach podcast and runs the premier coaching program for coaches, Best Damn coach. So without further ado, here is Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be with you. I want to start. I mean, you've been a coach for a really long time and you you coach women primarily, correct? Yep. So I, I want to ask you this like very general question. And what I love to do for my people here on the podcast is like teach them tools to be able to Heal themselves, help themselves, coach themselves. So how do you as I know that's like a lot of the work that you do? So how do you even start with that process with clients, teaching women to coach themselves?
1: Well, honestly, like before we can even have that conversation, I don't think a lot of people realize they can coach themselves. Yeah. And I th- think that often we're so um a, a client used this analogy once and i think it's such a great like our mind is like a rodeo right and it's like our thoughts are coming out of the chute so fast yeah and we- realize that we can actually be the cowgirl to like rope them in and pull them in and tug at them and assess them. And ultimately the the gift I want to give anybody I get to talk to or work with is to become their best damn self coach, right? Which is what my coaching program from coaches is really about. But I think even more importantly is that we have to be our best coach because even if we hire a coach, they're not with us 24 seven. Yeah. Right, and I don't coach. At least this is my perspective. I don't want to be. I don't want somebody to be codependent on me. As yeah, a
0: so reliant I mean,
1: on you. Mm-hmm. People out there that coach that way and they want their clients to be their lifelong people. That's not really my mission per se. Um, so I guess before we even dive into that, is just to let people know that the power is within you to become your best coach. We just sometimes need guidance on what tools actually work for us to right. get step into
0: that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So once, so I guess the first step would be like acceptance that you can coach yourself, like it can work. And I, and I, in my opinion, there are some accept, like sometimes I cannot see the, what is it? The forest past the trees or whatever.
1: <laughs> You're like level 10 status. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like sometimes I need, I need someone to, to help me see things. So are there particular kind of um, general questions that you have people ask themselves or, or what's the next step?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think part of that is we do live, sometimes move into those extreme situations. But even in knowing that is already such a cool level of self-awareness. For me, I I lived a lot of my young to mid-adult life. Well, mid, I'm 41 now. But, you know, to my 30s, not having realization you know, I was an extreme action taker. And so all of my life, I think we've kind of talked you, about you the-
0: were, or were not an, ex- an action taker. I
1: am still, but okay.
0: what my belief was up
1: until this point was my actions created my results.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so I could, I could outmuscle anything to create the outcomes that I wanted. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized there was so much that preceded that, right. There was so much that happened inside my brain, right. There were thoughts, there were pictures, there were feelings and mm-hmm. depending upon how those went, were actually driving my actions. And so step one is, I think we live in such a culture where we're just speed of light moving that a lot of us don't have the self-awareness to know that when we're not doing what we want, then there is something that precedes that. And so we have to slow down enough to first become self-aware that there's thoughts and there's our minds creating pictures and feelings and get really- So curious. many feelings- <laughs> <All> the feelings.
2: <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but I just needed to no. emphasize that.
1: <laughs> All the feelings. Um, and those feelings actually are kind of important. Just a little yeah. bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I knew I knew you were gonna, we were gonna get there eventually, but please continue. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so from there, I, you know, I think that's the the most important place to be. And the 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 big piece, like a big tool, let's just give a tangible tool. Is I love to teach clients this notion of what I, I say is to always be at cause. And when we're in life, we you know we're doing life. We can tend to fall on this in effect part of us. In effect means I don't take ownership of like what I necessarily want in my life. I tend to blame others, mm-hmm. like. Everything happened to me, and you know, blah 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 blah. blah. The rest is kind of history. And well, honestly, when clients start with me, they're often in this place, and it's not uh conscious, they don't yeah. necessarily know it, right? It's these things happened, I found myself at the bottom, like I need your support. And my goal through coaching is to both teach them but also guide them to how to be always at cause, and cause means. I take radical ownership, I may not always have a best solution, but I'm willing to explore it. Right. And it's a, it, it adopts the belief that I am the best problem solver of, of my life. And it puts back uh, the ownership and the power back in our court, instead of feeling like everything's flurrying around us and we don't know why that is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the question I love to just, you know, a great self-coaching question is when we find ourselves feeling like, everything's going on and we're maybe like talking to a girlfriend on the phone right because they're such a great place to land sometimes. Um, and when we're like blah 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 making all these statements around what's what's not happening in our life that we wish were, the question I give my clients is but what like what do I want instead? Mm-hmm. So the moment we ask ourselves that question, it immediately shifts us into a state of cause.
0: Yeah, it well, it's like It sounds like it kind of allows us to focus on the solution versus the problem. Hundred percent. But when yeah. we're in an ish, because the
1: feelings are driving the bus, like we don't necessarily always have a a back pocket question to go to. And mm-hmm. I think that automatically is powerful. I see this in my kids too. Like when my kids come home and. My son's been playing football you know, during lunchtime and he complains about so-and-so wasn't a great quarterback and like all the things that kids do at lunch. Um, and I hear him in effect. My question for him is, what do you want instead of those things? And immediately it sends his brain into becoming the best problem solver in his life.
0: That's interesting. It reminds me of, I've had a couple of conversations totally unrelated with, with clients lately about their own natural resourcefulness and I think sometimes we can forget a uh, side note. I do think that this is kind of like um, <laughs> what happened with Gen X and elder millennials like yourself, where we were raised a little bit feral, generally speaking, and like we were kind of forced to be resourceful. And now, like many of us are parenting differently. (laughs) Like, no, let me, let me give you everything and do everything for you. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, am I just setting my kids up to not be resourceful? Anyway, that's another conversation for another time. And maybe this is just for me to remind people listening. There's a really great saying from the, my coaching school alma mater, the coaches training Institute, where they tell us during our training, like your clients, all of them are naturally creative, resourceful and whole. It's such a beautiful statement and sentiment That I hope all resonates with everyone listening. It's like, I think sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of the times we have been resourceful to remind us that we actually are (laughs) inherently resourceful. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, totally agree. And to my alma mater,
1: LCS, it's that your client has everything they need right now to create the results they desire, right? It's this same belief that we don't need to change our circumstances because I think this is a core belief that many of us struggle with, and I'm guilty of it too, is if I change X, then I will be able to have Y, Mm -hmm. But so much of what we're seeking as far as transformation in our life isn't about the thing, right? It isn't about um, a better relationship with our spouse or more well-behaved kids or more money or... 10 pounds down or 20 pounds down right it's the feeling that we will yes. feel once we arrive at that destination mm-hmm. and once we have the tools in our life to see that it's the feeling we're we're after actually mm-hmm. and that that's accessible to us literally right now when we choose thoughts that align with it for me that was that was freeing in my own life but i just see like all the lights go on in clients eyes and they realize like it's not about the finish line that they think they're gonna they're past like it's accessible in this moment.
0: That is it. I remember learning that years and years and years ago about how it's really never about the thing that we want; it's the feeling that we that we think we're gonna get from it. Because sometimes I remember thinking like, okay, as soon as I get a book deal, you know, my very first book deal, then I'm going to have X, Y, and Z. And those things didn't come. It kind of felt like a kerplunk. And not that it wasn't fun and great, but I just I I felt like that was gonna answer all of my problems. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, oh, here I
0: am. <laughs> yeah. It was talk about like the upper try. limit experience, right? When totally. you're like,
1: hey, joy, joy book, and then all hell. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I don't mean to be dismissive about the success. Like I'm grateful for it. It just I had expectations of how it was going to make me feel. And not only that, but like how other things it was going to bring.
3: And it ended up just being like my my regular life. <laughs> You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
0: Talk to us about motivation and and I think you have a term called your motivational strategy. I don't know what that is. Like t- tell us everything.
1: I feel like the story is relative here. You know, I was a teacher for 10 years and I left that job when I decided that the paychecks of $623 every other week were no longer satisfying for Mm -hmm. me and the the mission and impact that I wanted to create in this world. And, you know, my husband was a police officer. I was a teacher. We were making less than 60K and we were living like lavish millionaires without the million Mm -hmm. of dollars. And Mm -hmm. so we had racked up, you know, $60,000 of debt. And also I was leaving my job. So yay, let's do this. Oh and gosh. that was because I just believed there was, you know, I, I was only tapping into like 60%, 70% of my full potential. So I had this unwavering belief that there was more coming for me. I just didn't know exactly what the road was looking like, but it was at that time that we decided, all right, we're going to like get this debt stuff under control. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, we did that. And all of that to say, the reason... We we had tried to do that many times, and we found ourselves in this like endless cycle of every time we filed taxes, we just wanted this big chunky refund to pay the debt off. Like years that went on, and so what I realized is that so much of my life, not just the debt, but weight loss journey attempts, uh, relationship with girlfriends, had been motivated by pain. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I took action once the pain was deep enough or relevant enough for me to go and move the needle from zero to one. And while that is important, right? We need a starting place to like build out from the struggle is if everything we want in our life is pain motivated, then the moment we start to take action and the pain subsides a bit, Right. The moment you start to lose a little bit of weight, or the moment you pay off a bit of debt, or the moment your marriage starts kind of working, when that pain subsides, we don't apply the break, we just gently take our foot off the gas without knowing. Right. And sometimes that sounds like just eat all the pizza, or mm-hmm. you can bypass your, you know, medications, or you know, you can pass on this date night, or you can skip these client calls or podcast recording, right? It's these little tiny nuances that happen. And so if we stay in this place where the internal motivating strategy is reliant on pain, then we end in this endless cycle or we, we continue in this cycle of constantly starting over. It's like these exhaustive highs and lows. And I'm sure as I'm sharing, we can kind of place this in various ways in our life. If it's not business or health, uh, it's definitely shows up. There's not a single person on this earth that that won't find this happening in their life somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And The goal then is to help clients realize that this is happening. And this is why they're like, Oh, I just the wheels fall off or I get, I get success and 30 days later i find myself starting back over right that's some, some of the client languaging. and the goal then from my perspective as a coach or to help my clients see this themselves is to begin to shift the internal struggle to toward motivation so that's what we call away from motivation we're so uh, we're so like inspired by not being in that place we want to move away for it away from it where The internal strategy we'll want to align more to is towards. We're so clear on the vision Mm -hmm. that we don't care the outcome that happens. We don't care if we pay off a hundred thousand or a hundred dollars of debt yet or a thousand. We don't care if we've lost two pounds. We don't care if we have five clients or a hundred. We're just like, I'm building this thing and I'm moving straight towards it. And that requires a great sense of awareness. And it requires either you yourself or somebody coming alongside you to build out a clear vision so that we are just like eyes on the prize, we keep moving forward.
0: I like that. I love talking about motivation. I'm I'm actually writing a chapter in my next book about it. And I've never, I've never written about it before. It's just the whole concept fascinates me. And like part of why I write about things is because like I'm I like to nerd out on <laughs> reading and learning about them as well. One of the things that's helped me is that this is helpful for anyone listening and I'm curious what your thoughts are about this. I always have to get, I don't know if this is pain motivated, but I have to get to a place where I accept that I'm probably going to have to do things that I really don't want to do in order to get to the thing that I want. You know, like for a long time, I don't have any desire anymore, but I would like, I would love to have maybe not even a six pack, but just like defined abs. Like I put, I had put so much value on that again i don't care anymore but i was like do i want to like eat chicken and asparagus like every day for, <laughs> for many days do i want to work out that much absolutely not and i and i don't think that it's a matter of even embracing the things that we have to do but it's like am i willing to do the uncomfortable things and my answer for that is no but you know when i got hashimotos and my joints hurt And I felt like shit and just there were so many physical symptoms. I'm like, okay, my doctor's telling me I need to cut gluten and I need to drink more water and I need to take these meds and I also should really look into lifting weights. Do I want to do that? Not particularly, especially the gluten thing, but like, do I want to feel better? Yeah. So I'm curious, like, kind of break that down. Like, is that an example of like only being pain motivated? Well, initially you were pain motivated
1: because you probably felt like crap. Like you said, yeah, you physically. Mm-hmm. might've had belly stuff coming up, headaches, like yeah. some of the symptoms of Hashimoto's. And so the idea here is like, that away from motivation propelled your action to begin right it moves you from the zero to one mm-hmm. now you have two options you can have such clarity on your like I do not like I want to feel so good like I want to wake up every day and get out of bed I want to feel like without joint pain I want to feel great in my gut right and as you if if you keep your eyes forward right and you I mean I think that requires a little deeper vision work than what we're saying right here on the podcast but that shifts your strategy to, being um, towards motivated. Now, what would happen to a lot of people is that the moment you started to feel better, if you weren't clear on the why that that mattered, then what you would start to say is like, I'll just have this slice of pizza, or I can just Mm -hmm. skip this workout. And then what happens is you don't realize that those little yeses to the things that don't make you feel good end up leaving you right back in in ground zero, which is feeling like junk and pain, aches, From the, the disease. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of people will say externally, why do I keep doing that? And that's because nobody's come alongside them and said, hey, like, Andrea, let's shift. Let's get aw- away from strategy. Like, let's put that to the wayside and let's together cultivate something that's going to inspire you in those moments to have such clarity of why you want to feel good right? Whether that's imagining doing burpees when you're 80 or, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, like uh, something that keeps me totally inspired in my health and why I don't really waver is I want to be like an active grandparent. Like I want to be the go-to grandparent for my kids, assuming they have children someday that I could be accessible at all times and I could run with them, do all these things. And so for me, I'm like, I'm going to be that grandma. I want mm-hmm. to be that right grandma, And that is my towards strategy.
0: I also don't want to hurt myself stepping out of the bathtub like this.
1: <laughs> easy, easy. So paint that picture, right? Imagery yes. is so overlooked in coaching. It's something I do in my coaching work all the time is our brain is communicating through pictures. Like mm-hmm. if I say the word orange, immediately we have a picture that comes up in our mind of what an orange is to us. And so I think another just opportunity with the right coach who understands the power of imagery is then to help you create that, like, getting out of the bathtub when you're 80, feeling yeah. confident, like what does that picture look like? So that you are constantly inspired by that imagery to, to stay in the lane, lift the weights, eat the food mm-hmm. that's you know good for your body.
0: You know, it's like, I think I've maybe finally now, at looking down the barrel at 48 years old, have really come to accept the fact that, and especially as I've gotten older, like how much nutrition and hydration and sleep, like the basics that doctors and experts tell us all about, how much it really does affect how I feel. Honestly, I think it took having Hashimoto's to realize how so much it could swing the other way. My pain, my physical pain, was nowhere near what some people experience. I think i'm I think I'm finally convinced at this point,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, chronic illness is a really powerful away from motivator. And yeah. then the question becomes, how do I maintain that focus? Once yeah, I start not experiencing the symptoms as drastically. I mean, some people, experience continual symptoms. And so it's a very easy reminder mm-hmm. to stay the course others do not. Yeah. And so then shifting that internal strategy becomes even more critical to staying the course.
0: hundred percent. Thank you for that. I want to, I want to shift over into a topic that we hear a lot in these parts and it's around the the subject of, of work-life balance. So how do you, well, let me just back up from there. Like what are the common struggles that you see? Cause you work with a lot of working mothers um, and and I'm, I know there's a lot of people listening who are child free and and still struggle with a work life balance. Some of them throw themselves into their career and struggle to maintain their health, like we were just talking about, or their personal relationships. So so where do you where do well first? Like what is the common kind of complaint that you hear around work life balance? I just don't have time to mm-hmm. do it all. It's
1: I just like I'm sure you hear, like I struggle to make my needs a priority and just fall back into the cycle of doing everything for everybody else. Yeah. Um, And when it comes to assessing like what work-life balance is, not even having a clear picture, they wouldn't articulate that out loud, but I don't think they really know what that even looks like for them or what they want it to look like.
0: Yeah. And I just want to kind of like a caveat here. I had Laura Danger On my podcast and she talks a lot about like the, just the household labor in homes. And I, and I want to put that link in the show notes for anyone who feels like there is a major imbalance, especially if you are in a household where you have a partner, it's usually in heterosexual relationships where the mothers statistically still do a lot of the heavy lifting there, the managers of the house. It's like so much of a load and there are conversations that need to be had. Anyway, that aside, um, where do you where do you start with women to try to with your clients to try to remedy that?
1: I mean, at first I have a visual just kind of analogy that's been helpful for me and to articulate that with clients is I was I was a child of the 80s. My first car was a Honda Prelude. I don't know if you Night. know
0: I was so jealous oh. of the people that had those. <laughs> Did it have like the triangle back lights? Uh, no, mine didn't. Mine was an 88, but what it okay. did, was because
1: I was like a dork, dork in love with Nike. It's a giant white swoosh on the back. Cause I was an athlete, <laughs> but one of the things it did not have, it, it was, it was a good stereo. So I remember I saved like probably $300 after Christmas money and I got a stereo and it was one of those. Did you ever, have yes, one? I had one. Okay, the pull out ones, right? Yeah, like have a handle, and you could pop in and out. So, in the event, or just let like the top, the face would come out. So, in the uh-huh. event anybody
0: would try to break into your car, like I had that one next. Yeah, the one that with the CD player face that popped off. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I had one of those. So I bring that to mind really when I when I think of this, but. I like to think of my life as a series of dials on that. And I used to think that balance looked like they were all equally turned up to the same number at the same time. And so I just kind of, I walk my clients through a practice often just to self-assess. Like if you were to self-assess, what are the five categories of your life right now that matter most? And maybe it's you know family, it's self-care, it's career, it's, I don't know, spirituality, it's friendship. I don't know what those, just five off the hand that would matter for me. And I think it's just understanding like, where would you rate that dial right now? Like Mm -hmm. how far each of those areas turned up? And if you were to look at that, is that what you want? Like, is that, is that where you want those dials to be? And then I ask like, Hey, how would you adjust them? And so I think it's a just assessing where you're at. And then when there's incongruency there, we feel it, like we feel Mm -hmm. it as a woman. And then the question is, okay, so if you want it like this over here, then how do we get from point A to point you know, B and begins the brainstorm. So I think that balance is like a term that's very loosely thrown around, but it looks different for everybody and it looks different for us from week to week. So it's important that we identify what's working and where we want to be first.
0: Yeah, we do a similar exercise um, with Coaches Training Institute. It's called the Wheel of Life where people like rate on like a scale of one to 10. And usually I have some questions if if people are rating it like an eight, nine or 10 in every area, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> do you have a clone, but it's normal to have some imbalance and then figuring out, I love that, figuring out like, what's the most important to you at this point in your life? Cause it's going
2: to yeah, shift mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: You mentioned self-sabotage before. So can we talk about that a little bit and maybe even in just like broad strokes, like how do you... When you suspect that someone is self-sabotaging like a client or something, how do you kind of either broach the subject or, you know, help someone help someone break those kind of, cause I think a lot of times it's just, it's habits that happen like from childhood stuff or just so many different variables that it could be, but like, how do you work with a client on self-sabotage?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one because I think it is kind of sometimes deep seated and I could yeah. probably talk about this and teach on this for just an hour separate. But I, I want to just like do a, a quick little teaching here to give like wholeness to the discussion is understanding that our, our brain is kind of you know, like wide, right? We have this conscious mind, the stuff we're aware of, and then we have the unconscious mind, the stuff that's kind of hidden d- d- to, to below the ocean and what we hold inside of our unconscious is to your point you know impacted by our, our upbringing as a child the good stuff the maybe not so good stuff that we would perceive it's also media it's also relationships it's our mm-hmm. mentors our teachers and so just to understand that we all have this I think of it like as we go through life if you imagine like a giant fishbowl, it's filled with sand. And throughout our life, as we're moving through our experiences, we have these kind of little beliefs that are put in our radar. And we are like, imagine those beliefs as ping pong balls. And like, as we go through life, we're just like pushing them down deep into the sand. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we're aware and sometimes we're not. And through coaching though, we're shaking that container and we're disrupting that container. And we're starting to ask critical questions. And as we do that, these little ping pong balls if, if you've never seen this done live, they literally are just like shooting to the top mm-hmm. and now you can see them and we're like self-aware of them. And so we're going like, I consciously want this thing. So we have this evening routine and we think, all right, consciously I want to go to bed at 10 p.m. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I'm an early bird, so 9 p.m. That's <laughs> like me too. <laughs> um, so 10 p.m. happens uh, or that's my goal. But unconsciously there are things beliefs, things happening, you know, more deeply and like every time we go to bed, right? Why does this thing keep stopping? Keep scrolling through TikTok for two hours. Right. And it could be just a belief system that we've held our whole life that I am a night owl. Like it could be just that. Mm
2: -hmm. Right.
1: And when we own that belief as though it's factual, because I I can't tell you how many women I've coached that say, I'm not a morning person. I am a night owl. And while that is a thought that they can absolutely choose, you know, is it factual? Well, they might mount evidence, right, to accept Mm -hmm. like this is a fact, like, look at my life. And what we want to do is really ask ourselves, if you consciously want that to go to bed at 10, what's holding you back from achieving that, right? Well, it's my only time to be to myself. I'm a night owl, right? There's lots of reasons we might butt that up. But through taking action, right, shaking the container, then we're able to bubble up what's underneath it. And so I like to reframe self-sabotage a little bit because... I want to help my clients understand why it's happening rather than just lump it in this container of self sabotage and say, mm-hmm. I'm self sabotaging. But let's get aware of when we go out and take action, what's preventing us so we can have discussion around what unconsciously is really the root so we can explore it more.
0: I have had a couple of experts on who are hypnotherapists who help people with that, and it's super fascinating. So, if anyone that I do, do love. you? Yeah. I love that. I I have never done it before, but I I'd be super open to it. Um, one of my really dear friends is a certified hypnotherapist. Actually, a lot of people I know do it. I have found myself over and over in my life coming back to the same patterns, especially with particular people. (laughs) Like I've known for whether they're family members or partners. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever like had like one of those lucid moments where you're like, am I back here with you? Like, (laughs) how did this happen? (laughs) So it's just, I, I say that also, for the people listening who find themselves self-sabotaging like please go easy on yourself like have some mm-hmm. compassion we all do it it just i think it's part of how we're wired but i love that there are ways and methodologies to to reframe it and i think i just really wanted to emphasize that cuz sometimes we can get into so much like self-blame and self-criticism of like how, how i've worked on this before i shouldn't be here like you know, do you find that a lot, too, that people beat themselves up over like getting in the same mistakes and places they've been before? Absolutely. And it's
1: um, this is why I think this work is so important is to understand that the goal is to bring the conscious and unconscious like to together, right? Yeah, in congruency. And when what we say out loud, the goals the goal setter, right? The conscious mind and the goal seeker, the unconscious mind are headed in the same direction then there's so much power to be created. And that's when we start to to feel alignment. And we can see this in our lives when we've wanted something and it just felt right, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you were like, I'm going to write this book and just like everything conspired in favor of you potentially. Um, That's when you know, your belief systems are aligned with like the actioning that you're going to do. And I think that That's helped me. I see help my clients is it's no longer a self-blame. Why are you falling short? Uh Why can't you get your stuff together? It's just exploration. And that's what I think is really empowering about coaching yourself is to go, oh, there isn't like agreement here. So what what do I need to do to be in agreement with myself? Or is this thing really for me? Is going to bed at 10 p.m. really for me?
0: Or is the story that you're making up what it's going to get you, what you're really after? Yeah, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. I find that getting a lot of sleep is really worth it these days. So. Oh,
1: that's number one for me, always. Eight 100%. hours. I'll, whatever happens, it's eight hours. It's like the, for me, it's the, the first domino in the whole row.
0: Do you have like a, like a just, just on that same topic, do you have like a particular nighttime routine that you do? I mean like aside from like brushing your teeth and like doing your skincare and like that kind of stuff, I don't necessarily have
1: a nighttime routine. I wish I could tell you, you do all these lavish things, but I actually think I actually the- would love this answer
0: better that you don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't my I mean my kids are um you know 13 and 11 and their so- Their schedule usually dictates when I can and can't get to bed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My nighttime routine is pretty simple. I tuck them in, and it's like I am ready. But the reason is, is because I am pretty um, consistent and really reap the benefits of a consistent morning routine. And so I think by getting up consistently at the same time, which for me is five a.m.,
2: uh-huh.
1: and enjoying like what I create for my morning routine, that traction, and then obviously exercising for me as a consistency or uh, as a consistent pattern. Those things just perpetuate an easy like
0: flow of bedtime because my body's just like peace.
1: I'm ready. ready. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you get up at five on the weekends too, or do you sleep in till like no, six, or I seven? Yeah,
1: yeah. I definitely sleep in. Although my body, like sleeping in, is yeah. probably like six thirty or
0: something. Yeah, sleeping in is like seven thirty for me, and and sometimes I wake up and I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> 7.30 would be amazing. And I guess there's time It's glorious. Yeah. But, you know, that ha- happens
1: if we're out late or something, but, um, I just really value the consistency of morning practice. And, um, so
0: what is your morning practice? I'm curious. I teach the concept of a power hour.
1: And so you think of the first hour of wake time being your power time and you get to divide it up however you want. So for me, that's, um, I'm a fan of like red light work. And so I have a red light here and I sit in front of it and I journal. Um and then Oh, I you mean read. like red light therapy? Red light therapy, yeah. Sorry. I thought okay. you meant
0: like the red when the red light is on. You're like <clears throat> red doing... light therapy. Sorry, okay, got gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> in my office. I have
1: a red light therapy photon. I journal and read 10 pages a day. For me, that's just been a consistent like no lofty goals of finishing books in a fast time. I'm just like 10 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it carries into two chapters, usually just some sort of quiet time. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's just sitting with myself, prayer, you know, like in, in my own mind, whatever that looks like. And then that's usually the first 30 minutes of just me time. And then I spend the next 30 minutes in the the high leverage action of my business that I resist the most.
0: Okay.
1: So typically that's some sort of visibility work. Mm -hmm. Um, pitching or uh, speaking work or or whatever it is, making connections. It's something that I know if my day got started, I would tend to put on a back burner because I'd fall into client delivery mode or some of those other emails. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm Um, and so it's it's actually split. And then my workout comes after I, I drop off the kids. I don't really do that first thing in the morning because my body is not
0: ready. I'm with you. Yeah, I do that when I get home from dropping off too. I love the um, the half hour of, I call that like the heavy lifting kind of tasks. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter what kind of job you're in, even if you're a stay-at-home parent, like there is some stuff you got to do to manage that house that you don't want do. <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> to do. Absolutely.
1: First thing. It's pay the bills, do the planning, do the meal planning, um, you know, whatever responsibilities that, again, you specifically resist, which is different for everyone. And mm-hmm. that could be just friendship connection time. Like if you get inundated with like the half twos, like use that time to bridge the gap with your friends or, uh, you return know, what yeah, a yeah, text or mm-hmm. write like a handwritten card. That's also one thing I forgot to mention. I write a handwritten card every day. To, to send to someone to give to someone uh, from work stuff to my teachers, you know, my kids' teachers, mm-hmm. you know that that I feel like need acknowledging. So it, it really just depends on the day.
0: I love that. I, I I really love that. i I don't have a morning routine that's that's that involved, but I, I and I don't necessarily think people need to have a super involved one to have a successful life. But I love hearing about other people's like I'm just I'm fascinated by the whole the whole practice of it. I think it's really beautiful.
1: Yeah. And I think like you, again, your personal belief systems, will have to align with that belief that it serves you collect evidence around that, you know, for your life. So I agree though, it does not have to be an hour. It does not have to be rigorous. 15 minutes of quiet coffee time, just sitting with yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a total proponent of journaling. That's what I, do. I, I mean, I believe everyone c- can find value from journaling. And I know that for a long time, that was something that I didn't see value in either. And it takes some time to get there.
0: I feel like it's the same thing with meditating. Yes. Agreed. Which I don't do by the way. (laughs) Yeah. On occasion.
1: Yeah. And again, that's one of those tools that I find
0: value in, but meditation looks differently for everybody too. True. It could be dancing. It could be spending time in nature, et cetera, et cetera. I want to ask you, this is again, kind of a broad strokes question, but what is the most, and maybe, maybe we've already discussed it, but like, what is the most common theme or problem slash struggle that you see with your clients? You know, if
1: if I were to just say more general in life coaching clients, I mean, I think we already nailed it, which is work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And how do I find time to cultivate who I am as a woman? And because I do tend to work with mothers, working mothers tend to be the the majority of my clients. I have some working fathers. I again, have people with no children and it's, it's still a struggle. I've gone into this career or I've become a parent and I've, you know, my identity has shifted and how do I reconnect to this new version of myself and find time really to connect to this new version of myself and do it in a way that's not just going through the motions. Like I used to like to watercolor, but now I'm 40 and that doesn't even entice me. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think it's just cultivating and helping people have, create self-permission to make space for that when there still feels like there's so many other things that need their attention and just helping them see that those things can wait. Knowing who you are and what brings joy into your life will actually bleed into those other areas. um, And that's pretty powerful.
0: Okay, and this is just like, I'm just kind of being nosy. So you were a teacher. Did you, like, how did you come into this work? And and did, so did you, did you find out about like coaching and becoming a coach and then think I could do that and I could leave my job? Or did you first think I need to leave my job and then went and looked for something?
1: Oh, truthfully, I've coached since I was 15. So uh, coaching job, I was, I was Athletic coaching it was basketball, and then got the coolest job in high school working for the inaugural season of the WNBA. They hired a whole bunch of uh, young girls to coach like inner city um, young girls. Um, It was really such a cool job because we got to do and see so many things. And I think the, the the combination of those two things really inspired my desire to impact lives and to see like what it's like to be able to use my cues and motivation and strategy to help people increase their performance. And so. I went on to college and grad school, got a degree in secondary ed and coaching, thinking that I really honestly wanted to teach educators. That was kind of the long-term goal. Um, Then when I had my kids, it was like, this schedule is not actually going to work for me. And my Mm -hmm. husband, like I mentioned, just his schedule was crazy. Um, So left there knowing I was going to use that skill set, but wasn't really sure how. And it was my own health and nutrition journey, really, that just... Had people asking me to coach them. And so I took kind of this skill set and merged it with my health and fitness. And then through that journey, I just fell in love with honestly the non health side yeah. of things, just the art of coaching and the life element and adhere, the study of adherence uh-huh. and understanding behavior. Um, and that's kind of what led me to now.
0: Well, that's neat. I didn't know that about you. We have a similar story because I was uh, my undergrads in exercise physiology. I was in the fitness industry. Ah, yeah. And then like wanted to help. I had, I think all of my clients were women. I remember the last straw for me was I had a I had a client who came in and her husband had bought her training sessions and she didn't even really want to be there, but they were trying to conceive a baby. And her she said her doctor had told her maybe if you lose some weight you'd be able to conceive, and she wasn't even like someone in a bigger body. Like, and I just was like okay, I can't do this. <laughs> just, yeah. I just felt called to like help people in a different way. I still love training. I think it's super important. It just wasn't for me. And um, yeah, that's how I ended up here too. But I, I want people to know, cause you have your own podcast and I was a guest. Yes, um, and so-, <laughs> so tell, tell people where you, especially for people who are listening, who are coaches, I think you're magnificent at what you do. So they would especially be interested in your work. But tell people where they can go to find more of you.
1: Yeah, one of the best places, just general, is the podcast. It's called the Best Damn Coach Podcast, and we talk about self coaching, we mm-hmm. talk about coaching clients, we talk about entrepreneurship there, and have amazing people on like yourself. Yay! <laughs> Instagram is where I am most active. My handle there is a walk my way, and you know I I love performance coaching, life coaching with individuals and corporations. I love working with small teams to just grow their skill set too. So um just pop, pop into my DM, say hello, if there's any way I can support you. Instagram's probably just a great and easy way.
0: Yeah. I love your posts on Instagram. I follow you over there. So of course all those links will be in the show notes, everyone. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we end so that you can feel complete? I feel very
1: complete, but I'll just do one more like little tally mark in owning your ability to coach yourself and what a gift that is, not just for you, but the people that you lead or are around. Um, and I just think we need more of that in the world. So that is my last check mark.
0: Period. Here, here. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. So thank you everyone for listening. Your time is so valuable and I'm so incredibly grateful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.
4: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do?